everyone, and welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Hello. I would uh, I would make a, a funny quip, but I realize the game we've played this week is, is kind of dark, and uh, <laughs> there are rats in my house, so I've been very busy this what? week. No, I'm just... It's a, see, that's why I didn't do it, and then I did it anyways. Oh. <laughs> You said you weren't going to make a joke, and then you said you had rats in your house. So I was like, oh my god, Ryan has rats in his house. <laughs> well, you know what? If you just carry a torch around, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you found a solution that is having an open flame throughout your home with your two children in it. That's no problem. It's very rustic. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I know. See, that's why. I don't know why I did that was, it. That was, that was terrible. That was terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the game that we're talking about this week is called A Plague Tale Innocence. And I'm actually really excited to to get your thoughts on this because I've played through the first few chapters. And I know that there were a lot of people on our Discord that were very interested about this title. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got to say, I was uh, I didn't know what to expect going into it. But I was um, pleasantly surprised. The, the game has its problems, but I feel like the story and the atmosphere are enough to overlook some of the problems. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't really know a whole lot going in either. I think I'd seen one trailer back when it was announced last year. And it uh, it just, it was weird. Like, it, it feels like one of those experiences similar to, uh, I'm going to compare it to Vampire, but vampire that is a whole other can of worms won't open but i'll compare it to vampire in the sense that it's it doesn't feel like a triple a game but it feels like a i think we use the term double a but it always batteries make that feel weird but um, yeah <laughs> it's kind of it's and i don't want to call it a b game either but it just feels like it's it's a triple a experience and i don't know if it's a budget title because uh, you and i both got review codes for it but, well, um, I'm looking at it on Steam right now, and it's $60 Canadian. Okay, so that would be a budget title then, in in, in a sense, in that it is a, it's a discount. It's, yeah, because normally when we're looking at um, picking up AAA titles, then we're looking at um, $70 to $80 Canadian. So yeah. it's, it's slightly cheaper, which is exactly the same way as uh, Vampire was when it was out, or Vampire or whatever. I can't remember what we landed on in terms of the... the <laughs> pronunciation of that game but it is it's very much that where it's um priced somewhere close to a triple a title and it's not necessarily triple a quality but it's not indie either yeah it's that in between level that you feel in sort of the gameplay and uh some of the dialogue and 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 cutscenes and just like across the board but honestly where this one really shines as a as as this sort of middle ground title or you know budget title is that it uh, the the environments are just they're astonishing they're really well done and I'm playing this on an Xbox One X on a 4K set so it runs uh, HDR 4K I believe and it just it looks amazing like the the foliage and the grass and and just all of the environments are really well done uh but yeah i'm running it uh on the pc and it's the same it's it's very very that was the first thing that kind of struck me because again like some of the controls and movements feel like not quite as polished and smooth as i'd like them to be Mm -hmm. but then i was really struck by like you say like the visuals and the environment and i was like wait a minute like i thought that this was an indie game like i thought that this was like full-on like $20 title and I was like this is incredible (laughs) but yeah as as we're as we were saying like it is it's it's that not quite triple a (laughs) price yeah but you're right though in terms of the movement you feel it early on as you're kind of moving through it's hard to explain but it kind of feels a little floaty and Mm. the way sometimes your character moves feels a little like mannequin-y like stilted a little bit like you notice it it's not as fluid as what we've been experiencing I think we've been a little you know, and Days Gone is a triple A title, and I think we've you know the animations and that as you're like hopping fences and running through fields just feels very fluid. And in this, it, it, there is a bit of that like stiffness to it a bit. But mm-hmm. uh, as you said, like the story and the atmosphere and the sort of um, the thing that's propelling your characters forward has really 
Sean made the game shine a little bit brighter over top of those those little inconsistencies that kind of crop up here and there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I usually bounce off these type of titles pretty quick, like in terms of like the the not in, not quite not quite indie, not quite AAA games. But I feel like this one has enough going for it that that feels really special and and different from some of the other games we've been playing lately. Um, uh, which is funny because I actually think it feels a whole lot the same to the way I've actually, like you brought up Days Gone, I've mm-hmm. been putting in hours and hours and hours and hours into Days Gone, which has one of the same mechanics. So we should mention there is no combat really in A Plague Tale Innocence. There are some encounters with boss-like characters, um, but it's it's mostly a stealth game yeah. because if you if you get hit at all you die you have no health you have no nothing it's a it's a one and done type of a of a combat situation so you can um occasionally you know knock people out kill people whatever with a with a good shot from your slingshot but you are meant to navigate the game through stealth which is kind of unfortunate because they lean so heavily on it like it is it is a stealth game but it's a stealth game done the way all stealth games are done which is like you have your patches of tall grass you have to move between them when um dudes have their backs turned and you have to throw things to distract them which is really clunky in a game like this because the storytelling is so good that because that game mechanic is so obvious mm. it really messes with the immersion Hmm. Like the immersion in the sense that you're like the stories, like the cutscenes are well put together and the story they're telling well, yeah, is like, interesting. I mean, but I, I really, really love the story. I really love the cutscenes. I love the dialogue. And actually, I've been told that uh, it's even better in terms of like the voice acting and like the tones and stuff if you actually listen to it in the original French and then hmm. have like English subtitles. I should um, try that. That I'm sure you yeah. could flip. You could flip it on this on just on the fly, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I've been told that that's like the best way to experience uh, the game in terms of uh, the voice acting. Though the the English voice acting is is perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've really been enjoying the characters, and it's very very difficult in fiction. Whether you're looking at um, TV, movies, you know, whatever. Uh, video games as well to make compelling child characters who act childlike without being annoying and over the top. Mm-hmm. And so I find that because you're basically you're playing as as a teenager and her little brother who have been forced from their home and are running through a uh, plague stricken France, right? So yeah. they are trying to uh, escape from the Inquisition, and also find, like, a safe haven from the plague. So it's it's an interesting story and an interesting time period. But when you layer on top of that, like, I, I almost feel like um, just solving the puzzles with the rats is so, so much better because I find that to be immersive as opposed to these lumbering night characters who are just apparently super duper stupid and <laughs> obviously and but also obviously like on patrol paths right so mm-hmm. they don't act like real characters would act and i feel like the next step for stealth games to feel more immersive because puzzles at this point it's fairly simple well maybe not fairly simple that's that's improper wording on my part but it seems like we're at the point now with um, game design and level design that they've found a way to make puzzles fit almost seamlessly into the telling of a story. Whereas no one's quite figured out how to do proper stealth, like get around the guards design. Yeah. Like it's all this like super clunky, like I throw a stone, they turn their back and then all of a sudden they can't see or hear me. And there's also like that, like sight range that they seem to have as well, kind of like an aggro range, mm-hmm. which like they can see me with line of sight, but I'm like 
15 meters away instead of 10 so they ignore me you know that kind of that kind of stuff yeah and i think that like the next step for a stealth game might be a just a smarter ai that doesn't rely on a set path for a guard to walk but is a little bit more dynamic that responds to other guards in the area other npcs in the area like those those sounds that you have to make it would be interesting if like I threw a rock and then a couple of guards went over to that area. But then instead of returning to their, you know, patrol um, like line or their patrol like standing spot that then they like talked to the other guard over there and then went, Hey, did you see where that rock came from? Or blah, blah, blah. Like just like have a little bit more dynamic movement instead of having them basically on these rails that become super easy to navigate. Yeah, no. Like, that's have really your good. actions have more more weight to them? Yeah, and I, the funny thing, I don't, I haven't played a lot of stealth games, and you are right in the sense that Days Gone has, uh, is is primarily it encourages you to be stealthy. In this one, yeah, it, and it, that's it, largely how I how I play, even like clearing camps and stuff, is I'm crouching, moving from long grass to long grass, mm-hmm. and Days Gone has the same problem in the stealth moments, but it's a, at least the stealth moments are are a gameplay choice. I as a player can also choose to just run in YOLO with my axe and chop them all to bits. True. But you don't have that option in a Plague Tale. In a Plague Tale, you need to be stealthy. Yeah, you, you need to be stealthy because you're you're not protected in any way. Like, you no. can sometimes defend yourself if a, a guard comes at you that's not wearing a helmet and you get off that lucky slingshot, uh, you know, move and, and you knock them out. I don't know. Hugo, the little brother, seems to think you're killing people, and hey, it might be a safe assumption, but mm-hmm. uh, you definitely you definitely take out some fools uh, shortly after those chapters. But I, I think you're right. Like the clunkiness of the stealth that's presented early on in the game. So the way the game is is structured is that you you get the walk and talk as the first chapter. Then the second chapter is the stealth mechanics with the guards. They're running you through it, and it introduces you to making sounds uh, by throwing rocks. And then there's a differentiation between like throwing rocks with your sling and throwing rocks with your hand. Uh, and that I thought that was a, a really neat sort of separation of if you're stealthing, you want to throw them with your hand. If you're trying to reach far off objects, you're going to have to use your sling. I thought that yeah. was an interesting change. But if you use your sling, you stand up. And that will often uh, let the guards know that there's a person in the long grass. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, you know, as it continues with that stealth gameplay and then you get into the town where you're being chased... I really liked that sequence as you're running through town and you're trying to navigate these like these streets as people are chasing you. I thought that was really cool. It's kind of a mm-hmm. no fail moment where you're kind of just you're you're along for the ride. But I like that. That was really solid. But you're right. The the yeah, stealth was, is kind of clunky. An, that was an interesting experience because you're right. Like I I don't think granted I didn't slow down to see if I did fail, but. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, it wasn't necessarily like a a maze or a labyrinth that you had to remember. Like there was there was one street that you could run along until you made it through a doorway that then led to a ladder you climbed to get onto another street, and then there was that street that you ran down. Like you couldn't make a wrong turn, I guess. So it was. Uh, I kind of part of me wishes that was more puzzly because it was basically like a no fail section of the game it was cool and it was interesting i just wish it had been like oh i made a left instead of a right and they caught up to me and then i had to restart the sequence Mm -hmm. but i I will say about the stealth though i think one thing they do interestingly from a context standpoint is that if you're trying to solve a puzzle multiple times and in an instance i was where i was throwing rocks at the um at the sound makers essentially people have just set up like random metal buckets on scarecrows all over the place which is which is nice of them and i threw <laughs> a rock a couple times and the guard would have different you know voice lines but that also kind of reinforces how stupid the guards are it's like huh it happened a second time what's going on walk over sit there for a second agro diamond disappears huh i guess it's still nothing i must be you know having a bad day i'm wondering if maybe on the third he's like okay i'm wising up but do we really think uh and i don't play a lot of stealth games but do we really think a game where they where they develop this very hardcore you know ai learning stealth game do you think that would be fun because i don't think it'd be fun here like this because you're kind of 
powerless against these people. And if they learned, then you'd you'd probably hit a, a barrier every once in a while, don't you think? Well, you might, yeah, you might, I mean, you might hit a barrier, but again, I think that comes into like level design, right? Is mm -hmm. that like you need to have enough tools to be able to outsmart an AI, but I want an AI that would be challenging, you know, that isn't just on rails and isn't just, you know, saying a couple of stupid lines, but always doing the same thing, you know? Yeah, um, but I'm wondering if that's the next Splinter Cell game and maybe not this, you know, story-based adventure where they're just trying to propel characters forward i it feels like well and i think that that's that's the difference right yeah. is that like i do find some of the rat puzzles i found them to be like not necessarily uh immediately obvious mm -hmm. and i don't know i like i wouldn't mind if there was more puzzles to this especially like we're talking about a title who is that it's a 60 dollar title right so if the whole entire experience is just meant to tell a story to me that's much more along the lines of a 20 to 30 dollar experience mm -hmm. if you're asking me to pay 60 dollars for your game i need more mechanics outside of your story because your story you're essentially just you know like i'm watching a movie well you need gameplay so, like you need gameplay to back it up I exactly exactly and especially where they have made a clear attempt at gameplay with the stealth stuff and uh with the with the puzzle solving i just wish that the stealth stuff which is which is essentially like another puzzle to solve was a little bit more difficult because like i said i find some of the the rat stuff to at least be not immediately obvious mm -hmm. but the uh the stealth stuff is just like it's like it's like an obstacle put there just for the sake of being an obstacle but it's not challenging in any real way. Yeah, and I mean, I haven't finished the game. I'm I'm around chapter. No, I haven't. I haven't finished it either. Yeah, I'm around chapter five, and I am gonna keep playing because after that second chapter where it is strictly stealth, and then there's a bit more after you get through the monastery. So they they introduce. Uh, we'll we'll come back to that. But after the monastery, there's one more chapter where you're we're heading for the farm where you where you then have to go through the long grass and avoid you know these soldiers, and it's strictly soldiers. And that's the second chapter where they're kind of getting you used to the stealth mechanics, but in more of a unique and different way as they're introducing, you know, larger areas and different objects for you to hide behind and different options. Uh, but after that, it feels like they kind of, they go back to the idea of the rat swarms. And mm -hmm. I haven't had an instance after that moment where it's just soldiers. It's always a mixture of, you know, rats and soldiers uh, but the soldiers carry lanterns, right? So there's there's that mixture there, and it is still feels like a guided experience, but still, a, uh, I'm thinking, I'm hoping down the road as we as we progress through the chapters that they're going to offer you more complex, yeah, more complex scenarios uh, where you are kind of trying to go light to light to avoid the swarms, but also uh, wary of soldiers and stuff that are coming at you. And then you have a variety of ways to take those out. Um, and I did experience that, you know, further down after chapter three. There's some really cool moments with uh, and set pieces as well uh, as you move out of the out of the uh, um, forest and, and farmhouse. But uh, we mentioned the swarms a couple times, like the rats. So if you see the trailer, you you would see you would know exactly what we're talking about. But essentially, the plague are, is is just an endless sea of rats that appear from the walls and holes in the ground. And I got to say the tech that they've used to display those rats and the way they kind of move away from you as you, as you use light to kind of, you know, keep them at bay. It feels pretty good. It, it feels, yeah. it looks really well done in the sense that those. It reminds me of um, that. You remember the movie, the mummy Yeah. with all of the, the beetles that come pouring down. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what it reminds me of is like the swarming scarab beetles and the mummy. Yeah, and I mean, occasionally you'll see, you know, I haven't seen it very often, but occasionally if you like kind of corner the rats too quickly, yes. sometimes they will kind of like dissipate into the walls, but other times they will, I've seen a couple times like they the poof. rats kind of fade. They poof? Yeah. Oh, they poof. No, they poof. Oh, poof. they poof. an F. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they like poop. They... Like, I'm sure they do. No. <laughs> I mean. Oh my God. No, they, they poof into this like um greenish kind of um light fire type yeah and i think that's just like a well we can't find a path for them and it's just gonna bug the game out so we just 
yeah, we just make them disappear. really. I think that there, I think that there's a little bit more, uh, more to it because, so. well, I mean, um, to me, it looks like it's a little bit, um, like arcane like magical, which, um, seems to be like they're rats with glowy eyes that don't, they can't stand in the light. Mm-hmm. It very much seems to me like there's some sort of otherworldly presence to this plague. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe you're right. Maybe it is just a way to deal with them when they get stuck in a corner. But I like I like it, that better. Like I think I, <laughs> that's what I got from it. Anyways, is yeah. I was like, oh, the light burns them into nothing. Like, <laughs> ooh, that's actually that makes a lot more. I thought maybe like they were just magicking away, but if the light kind of like essentially kills them, yeah, if, it destroys if them. Yeah. yeah, if they're there long enough, that would make a lot more sense than just them vanishing into thin air. But they they start to introduce these puzzles, I think, in the monastery where, man, those rats really, really feasted on Friar Tuck there. Uh, he, he was gone in just a moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, but these rats basically act like, you know, cartoon piranhas, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they yes, just 100%. Take people down right to the skeleton. These poor kids, one of the, the little kid can't be more than eight years old, like just scarred for life watching these people just vanish before his eyes. Um, well, and I think that that's, that's a really interesting, because that's something we haven't really, really touched on yet. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about the, the rats and the puzzles and the, and the Inquisition and the guards and everything else. But your two main characters are a teenage girl and a very young boy. And they are brother and sister, but they set it up very, very early on in the story. It's one of the first few voice lines is basically that like the teenage girl has been essentially left to her own devices and hasn't spent a lot of time with her family because she has a sickly younger brother who requires essentially like 24 hour care. Mm. So she doesn't know what his sickness is. It's, it's, you know, the 1300s. So no one really knows what his sickness is, but her mother's an alchemist. So her mother is trying to cure him. And, you know, the father is running the estate, taking care of the mother and the brother and, you know, all the rest of it. So he doesn't have a whole lot of time because uh, it's a, it's a, I, I, I guess they're Royal family, but they're like Lords. Like they are the keeper of the towns around them and all that kind of stuff. So they're like royalty in France. And um, so she's basically just, just off on her own. And it, the dynamic of the two of them being brother and sister. And so the way that she feels that she needs to take care of him and protect him, Mm -hmm. but also the dynamic of the fact that they don't really know each other. They haven't spent a lot of time together and they have no real um, connection off the start. And watching that relationship grow is really, really well done. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because there are moments in the story where like early on, like your character, like one character knows something the other character doesn't. And Amicia, the, you know, the, the girl you play, she kind of, and I'm kind of tiptoeing because spoilers, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much. And I think we can talk about it without flat spoiling things. Yeah. She like blurts something out and you realize like, she's just frustrated. She doesn't know this person as her little brother. She more knows, knows him as this little boy who just lived in the house i mean obviously she has a stronger connection than that but they act like you said they well, but act she like doesn't, kids. she doesn't really like she she doesn't she doesn't know him at all they've mm-hmm. like they established that he whatever he has is not contagious but he's also not allowed to leave the castle or be around people so like she literally has to introduce herself and say hi i'm amicia i'm your older sister like that's crazy. <laughs> like they literally do not see each other on a daily basis. So yeah. to the point that he, he doesn't really know her at all, even to, to know her face. So I think the exploring how that kind of relationship has evolved so far with the like instinct to want to protect him, but also like not knowing what or how or who he is and, and everything else. Like, I think they do a good job with both characters and it, I was really surprised how dark and weighty the story was, like, right from the get-go because of so many different things that happened. Like, when you're out in the woods with your dad, like, something happens, and I was like, oh, my God. And then same thing when you're, you know, back at the house. I had a lot of, like, oh, my God, like, they went there type moments. 
but I think um, my favorite moment, which isn't really a spoiler because we've already talked about um, dealing like how you have your slingshot and dealing with the soldiers. But I thought that this was probably the best I've ever seen a video game actually deal with the fact that you as a character are killing people. Mm-hmm. Because essentially what happens is Amicia is attempting to defend her younger brother, Hugo, and this guy is just coming at her, coming at her, coming at her. And your only real choice to, to get through the encounter is to basically to kill him. So she kills him. And then it's like immediate, like sadness and regret and abs- like just absolute horror because she's just like, first of all, she's just killed someone and she's a teenage girl. And second of all, she did it in front of her younger brother. So it's like she's trying to grapple with all of these feelings while also still having to get out of the situation she's currently in. And that like five minute section of the game, I think, is the best I've ever seen any video game company ever deal with the idea that you as a main character, a quote unquote good guy, Mm -hmm. are literally killing people. Yeah, she's not too stoked about it. And no, she isn't. <laughs> I think her reaction to it and the reaction to all the death around her, and this is the 1300s, so obviously people in that time were more, they were around death more than we are today, but, uh, or us specifically. But I think like the, in this, in this game, like when she does that killing, it kind of sets you up as a player of like, you have these opportunities to, you know, really seriously injure or kill people uh, with your slingshot. And you just don't take the shot. You you just kind of keep going with the stealth. At least that's the way I was I was feeling when I was going through. Because you are you're leading. So the other the mechanic of the game is you are holding on to your brother by his hand as you're guiding him through this mm-hmm. world. And some might. And the reason we haven't, I feel like we haven't brought it up, is because I don't want people to think like, oh, this is just a babysitting simulator. It's yeah, not it, it, really. It has the potential off the top, like at a very, very quick glance for people to dismiss it as an escort quest. Yeah. But I never feel um, hindered by the fact that I've got my little brother. They do a yeah. really good job of like when you need, when there's obstacles you need to get around, like sometimes you push him over first or, you know, he can crawl through smaller spaces to get around to the other side to unlock things for you. Or like there's a lot of... um interaction and intriguing gameplay choices because you have a larger character and a smaller character and so you are for the most part running around tugging him along but you can also you know tell him to to go or wait or you know like do that kind of stuff so i i really enjoyed what i thought was going to be a really terrible mechanic of having to drag my little brother around all the time <laughs> yeah you know what it feels like it feels like you're really one character and, yeah, and your brother is yeah. an extension of amicia as you're as you're working your way through the levels and there are some really cool moments early on that were teased as like oh great every time i ask you go to do something he's gonna complain because he's an eight-year-old oh i'm scared please mommy no and uh but but he quickly gets over that and he becomes a very proud and um courageous little boy as you're kind of like okay i'm going to distract the guard and you sneak across and open that window for me and that was the there was that, that mechanic where it first introduced itself as like okay this is kind of neat like it is kind of a co-op game but i'm controlling both characters and and the the boy is obviously ai whereas i'm like me as amisha i'm throwing a rock to distract the guard and then asking my brother to go through the hole and open the window and then i'm kind of sneaking around and throwing the rock again to distract the guard again like i liked that anything that breaks Mm -hmm. up the monotony of going tall grass to tall grass and like that risk reward of how much do i want to um tip the guard off that there's a person in the grass like i i've been playing sort of cat and mouse with the guards where it is pretty binary like they see you but they don't like outright chase you until their aggro fills all the way. Uh, and, yeah. then, and then they're on a mission to kill. But like, as long as you don't trigger the aggro to the, to the red diamond, you can kind of just slink into the grass and they, and they go back, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's one or zero with these guys. Um, and I think that's where it leads to be like kind of a, uh, that's a little, a little dumb, dumb stealth, but um where they break up the monotony is, I, I think that that kind of throws the dumb stealth to the side, and it makes it more fun. Um, mm-hmm. And those mechanics have been presenting themselves more and more as the game continues. Yeah, 
One other thing that I really like about the story and the dynamic between the two, uh, Amicia and Hugo, is that I really appreciate the fact that you're dragging around this, you know, five to eight year old kid because there are, like I mentioned, all the like, oh, my God, moments in, in the first uh, few chapters where it just it, it feels super horrific and i haven't even gotten to the the chapters yet because i've seen other people talk about these things online but there's like battlefields and and just all kinds of stuff so it's a very it's a horrific time right there it's france is in the middle of i think it's like the hundred years war or something like that and so france is in the middle of the war also the inquisition is happening and the plague has struck them and so the combination like it's a very messy time a horrific time and these two kids are running through the the countryside of France and experiencing all of this. And it could just be a super dark, horrific story. But because you've got your little brother, there's times where, you know, he'll just slow things down and like appreciate really pretty stained glass windows or he'll pick you a flower or, you know, like he just, He's got that, and I think this is where where part of the the title comes from, the innocence part. He brings that like innocent view that's still in awe of the world from like the point where like he literally didn't leave the castle and now he's seeing a lot of these things for the first time. So you just you get that point of view, which I think is really powerful and is a even though it feels like it had the potential to like slam the brakes on the story. I think it in reality does a very good job of conveying a happier and like a nice break to the, the horror of the mm. rest of the game. Yeah. And another thing I've experienced that I I've actually really enjoyed is that the chapters are nice and bite size. I feel like mm. I, you can finish a chapter well under an hour and, and well between I'd say half hour and an hour mark. Like it, it's a nice, you know, sort of, beginning middle end to to each chapter for you to be able to like especially for me like i can sit down play a couple chapters and then walk away and feel like i've accomplished something um, yeah and each chapter has been varied enough that as you're progressing you're in a new locale a new environment new mm -hmm. mechanics so it's been it's been really good and, and they start to introduce crafting and there's an upgrade system and there's a lot more there uh, outside right of, we hadn't even talked about the crafting the crafting yeah. is um it's the crafting is interesting because at least mm -hmm. so far I, I haven't unlocked anything like new new. I've basically just have the ability to upgrade the um, existing pieces that I was given kind of from the start of the game. Um, but there are these like workbenches and tools that are strewn about because it's it has these little like pieces of like RPG type elements in it. So like you mentioned, like crafting there, there are workbenches and tools strewn about as well as like all kinds of different crafting materials that can be found throughout these levels. And there's some collectibles too. So like it does have some of those kind of extras peppered in on top, but mm -hmm. I haven't found the, the crafting system to be super compelling yet, but I hear it, it gets more complicated later on. Yeah. So I, I've just unlocked. So you basically, you, once you get to the, the house, the guy, the doctor's house or whatever you, you meet an alchemist and he kind of gives you a, a recipe that is, that enhances gameplay in a way where it, it's it, so far it's been more for puzzles. So for, uh, essentially yeah. lighting things on fire, which is helpful because the fire keeps the, uh, the rats, the rats at bay. <laughs> so it, it's been nice and it's a nice way to mix things up as opposed to, you're not just throwing rocks at things to make them fall over or to distract guards. You're now, you now have the ability to kind of create a path uh, a set path with with this new craftable that you have and and you're right the upgrades are kind of they're serviceable they kind of give you like some extra pocket space you know they make your sling work faster which is a nice quality of life type thing but not not anything to write home about it, it's uh, and you're finding you know items for crafting strewn across the world that's sort of your collectible side of things uh but you know i i think you could well probably... there's actual there's like collectible collectibles yeah. There's like books and notes and artwork and all kinds of stuff. There is, yeah. But in the sense that you're, yeah, you're finding those collectibles, but you're also finding like crafting materials. Yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I could see you going going through the whole game and not upgrading whatsoever because you, the game's pretty good to give you what you need to progress through the puzzle. Like if if 
if the mechanic is set in a way where you need a pot so you can throw the pot and distract the guard uh no matter no matter where you won't need something to bounce a rock off of there are pots nearby like the game yeah. doesn't punish you for not collecting things uh so I, I and i don't know if later on maybe it starts to but i, I don't get the sense that it would uh so overall yay nay wait for a sale <laughs> I, I mean, I think that this is a, if you're looking for something, I know we said, I know I said it was something different and yeah, it feels like there's some similarities there with Days Gone from a stealth perspective and, and sort of like you can be overwhelmed very quickly. I, I think this, I need to see more of the story before I say go out and buy it right away. But I think if, you know, if you want to wait for a sale, I feel like this would be a good one to pick up and play through because it, it's a very well put together, you know, um, uh, non AAA experience you know you're gonna pay $60 for a game that has a great story and you know some gameplay moments that leave it lacking but there are some gameplay moments that I've experienced so far from a puzzle perspective that I've really really liked and are very tense mm-hmm. because I mean I don't know about you but the 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 uh when you die to those rat swarms it's pretty gnarly it's not fun oh my god yeah so I've only <laughs> died to the rat swarms once because I was like I, I didn't realize, like, I thought that I had a break between two pools of light, but there was, like, space for, like, one line of rats to go across. And, like, as soon as you touch one rat, it's, like, total swarm, and it is gruesome. So I was like, I don't want that to ever happen again. <laughs> so from then on, I, like, take my sweet-ass time <laughs> moving around. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it only had to happen once for me to make it just never happen again. <laughs> Yeah, I'm digging it. It feels like a, it's a different experience for me, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad I'm liking it because I was worried that sometimes these you know non AAA experiences can be very hit or miss, and I think this is yeah. a hit. Um, I'm kind of I I'm in the same sort of boat as you. I think I might, uh, and granted, I'm not as far as you are, so it might um get I might get the uh, kind of more complicated puzzles and systems that I'm looking for later on in the game uh as far as i am currently i would probably say wait for a sale like i said it's a very well told story it's absolutely beautiful the voice acting is really well done and the and the child characters are written well which Mm -hmm. is difficult to do so if it sounds like a story that interests you then absolutely go pick it up but i think um personally i would probably wait for a sale because i think 60 dollars is a little bit steep but uh, and again, I think that's that's sixty dollars um, Canadian, so it'll be cheaper down for you guys in the states. But uh, I think yeah, sixty dollars is a little bit steep for me. But that being said, like I said, I'm not all the way through yet, so I might just not have have seen all the potential that the game has to offer. So uh, kind of take take that recommendation with a grain of salt. I'll uh, I'll try to get it finished by uh, next week so I can give a firm yay or nay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I don't know I don't get the sense it's an incredibly long game. Uh, but it probably well, a very I impactful game. Believe it's ten chapters, oh, that, or maybe it's ten hours. 10 I remember hours. ten, <laughs> but I can't. I yeah. I mean, it depends. I can't remember like, if it was ten chapters or ten hours. Yeah, it feels like the kind of story they're trying to tell would be not short and sweet, but like not overstay its welcome. I'm I'm hoping that's the case. I don't really need you know ravenous rat swarms to overstay its welcome. I'm I'm yeah. cool with a with a story told in the length of time that they need, not, you know, going the extra mile. Yeah, just to not adding an extra chapter on the end that the whole game would be better without <coughs> Vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's, uh, let's not go back into that one. But I, I, I will play more. I'll probably, I'll try to finish it as well. And we'll, we'll uh, yeah, revisit this one in a week. But I'm, I'm yep. liking it. Uh, and speaking of, of well-written kids, uh, you also took a look at Raising Kratos. Why are you laughing? That was a good transition. It was. And I was gonna, I just, <laughs> in my head, I'm, I was just, I had a stupid joke about like, yes, my kids are well-written and, but that's not true <laughs> because they can't write yet. Anyways, uh, soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well-written kids. Did you ever play God of War? I didn't. Oh, you need to play God of War. I have it. I should have, I should have lent you the disc when I was up there. Because it's really good. And I know I keep saying that. So next time I see you, I'm going to uh, lend you God of War. All right. So you should not watch this. But Raising Kratos (laughs) is a full-length, behind-the-scenes documentary about the making of God of War on PlayStation 4. Honestly, there are 
yeah there are some spoilers in this it's two hours long but it like chronicles the whole five-year journey uh of making this game and for those who are kind of familiar with the history of santa monica studios the developers behind the god of war franchise and what they went through during those five years prior to even unveiling the new god of war it's interesting that playstation would put out such a it some might say like okay clearly they've cut corners and they're not showing like some really bad stuff here because it is a documentary where the where the person appears to have been embedded with the team for the five years to get footage and stuff like this was an idea that they didn't come up with in the last year of development this is something that they were chronicling from day one and you literally get day one in in this uh in this documentary but for a first party published documentary it feels very honest you know you get like they don't they allude to crunch and i think they do they they come right up to that line but then they don't cross it uh they go as far to show a scene where they're thanking people for putting in extra hours which is kind of like with all the news stories coming out it's like oh that's a little greasy um <laughs> but uh, they don't overstep that bound but there are there are moments where they're having these very candid interviews with developers and even the directors like saying stuff about development that's kind of like i'm surprised sony let them keep it in there now, mind you, maybe they let them keep everything in there because the game came out, sold millions and millions of copies, and did very well for itself. But it was a very refreshing sort of look at development from the developer. You know, it's not very often that we get like a documentary put out by the developer that doesn't feel like just one giant advertisement because it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like that. Um, to me, anyways. Some other people might see this and think it's not honest enough. But I think it showcases like the human, the human toll of of building a game and what video game companies go through. Because Santa Monica Studios actually had an entire team or an entire project canceled during the development of God of War, and they kind of touch on that, and they touch on the human toll of that. And I think essentially maybe people weren't let go, but they were all moved over to the God of War project, which caused issues all on its own, like. What do you do when you suddenly have an extra 150 people to keep busy? Yeah. So I thought it was really well done. And if you played God of War, it's certainly worth checking out. I mean, it's two hours, so you got to kind of devote some time to it. But it it goes by quite quickly. It feels like they're telling a, a really good story there. Very cool. So yeah, again, if, you, if you've already played God of War, then go mm-hmm. and check it out. Uh, and I just need to play God of War, period. Yes. And then I can check this out. There are so, spoilers. So if you haven't finished the game, you should, you should definitely finish it and then check this out. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, and so again, that was called Raising Krata- Kratos? Kratos? Yes. Raising, raising Kratos. Kratos, okay. And uh, how did you actually get that? Is it just available on the PlayStation 4? Is it part of the oh, game? Yeah. Like It's completely free. It's on YouTube, and the whole two hours are on YouTube. Oh, it's on, on YouTube. YouTube. Okay, yeah. cool. I should have mentioned that. That's actually a good question. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I try to have good questions. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of well-written questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't oh, even stick the landing on that one. Nope. <laughs> but if for some reason you like what we're doing, you guys can go over <laughs> to patreon.com slash the gamers in if you'd like to support the show. We're currently looking for our patron that we would like to feature for the munch month for the munch for the month <laughs> of <dinner> May. <laughs> <laughs> for the month of May. So if you would like to be our May patron, again, that is patreon.com slash the gamers in. That brings us to our topic of the week this week. We're doing a little bit of odds and ends. First of all, uh, I'm pretty sure that this is some sort of like alternate reality mm-hmm. and I have been hit on the head too hard or something. But apparently Microsoft and Sony are working together on AI and cloud-based computing solutions. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, it's so far a memorandum of understanding, which yes. I mean means means a lot for these companies to come together like this and we're not talking about you know sony i I don't know is sony still set up with like a gaming division like this isn't microsoft game studios and sony playstation department coming together. right that's not the actual name but you know them coming (laughs) together to work this is microsoft corporation and sony corporation announcing a partnership to look at you know uh consumer uh cloud-based gaming essentially is, yeah. is the 
is the high end sort of the easy way of explaining this they have a bunch of other gobbledygook in here that they're working on but like that's the most interesting part because clearly microsoft has announced they're very much interested in cloud gaming sony has had you know some has dabbled with it to middling effect but this is a big deal you know when your parent companies sort of say like we need to we need to work together on this to, to mm. make this really shine now my first impression on this was like because we only just had google's big announcement Mm -hmm. uh what was that a month ago maybe and like basically talking about uh and i'm totally blanking on the name of the service now but basically like streaming games and and moving from device to device and cloud everything and blah so do you think that this is a move by microsoft and sony to attempt to work together after all this time to combat the entry of Google into their space? I think, you know, competition certainly lights a fire under people's, you know, butts. And I think Sony, who's been trying to break into this business kind of unsuccessfully over the last, well, the last generation of consoles. And I think that combined with that, with the fact that Microsoft is going full force and they have their Azure, you know, data center services and Mm -hmm. stuff, it just makes sense as a a good partnership to kind of like bolster each other up. But I I do think, I do think they kind of look at Google and look at Stadia and be like, if there's anyone that's going to, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. If there's anyone that's going to, you know, kick us, like they don't want to challenge them. Yeah. They don't want another scenario where you look at, you know, I guess Fortnite and PUBG, like one of those examples where someone comes along and just trounces the other unexpectedly. You don't want Google to come in and certainly upend this, what we've had for three generations where these three have just been kind of locked and they have this balance where like one does well and the other's kind of middle and, you know, they swap leads every once in a while. Mm -hmm. I think they've got a good balance there and Google Stadia could certainly come in and look at what the Epic Game Store is doing and kind of just throw some money around and some technology and suddenly you've got another player to to contend with. And Mm -hmm. there's only so much money to go around, right? Especially when games are so expensive these days. So yeah, I I think it's related for sure. Well, and speaking of the Epic Game Store um, and just competition in general, they've done another Steam-ish thing by offering a... What is it called? The the epic awesome super sale or something like that the epic mega sale <laughs> epic mega sale <laughs> i was like i remember thinking that like oh man the fact that their like company name is epic really works well <laughs> to make this sale seem amazing <laughs> yeah no you're right because yeah their their company being named epic is like that's kind of what you would you would attach to many sales just be like yeah it's an epic sale but no yeah it's an epic mega sale <laughs> Yeah, this is an actual epic sale. <laughs> yeah, so they, yeah, so they they're offering um, up to seventy five percent off, but they're also offering ten dollars off all games, which are priced at fourteen ninety nine or more. Which led to a very interesting situation because they had a couple of games available for pre order, including the new uh, Vampire Masquerade title. And the reason why this is so interesting is that technically the uh, $10 off on all the games is being uh, taken out of Epic's pocket so that the developer don't actually like lose any money on any of these sales. But it kind of like, like Ryan, you were saying, devalues the game before mm-hmm. it actually launches. So for a very, very short period of time, you could pre-order uh, Vampire Masquerade Bloodlines 2 or whatever it's called. Uh, you could pre-order that for an extra $10 off if you did it through the Epic store until it got pulled. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, it, it was weird. Cause the first day it launched, I got an email from the PR company basically saying like, Hey, big giant sale. And you load it up and it's like, Holy crap, like 75% off a lot of games up to 75% off yeah. and $10, like you said, being, being took off the top of every purchase of every game that is over $14. And suddenly everything is on sale. New games, new games that aren't out yet, pre-purchasables. Like it's not very often you see that kind of discount. And yeah, like companies started reacting. You had the story right there with, like you said, Masquerade, which was down 10 bucks and suddenly it's no longer in the store, which is kind of like, in in unison with the whole exclusive game, you know, Epic Game Store story, like you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't sign a deal, be exclusive to a store, 
I, I mean, certainly you can because they did, but mm. I'm just saying, like, to a, as a customer, it's like, well, you can't tell me I can't buy it on Steam and then you put it on Epic, but then, oh no, when Epic does a sale, you remove it from sale during the sale? Like, you got into bed with these folks. You should be, yeah. this is a business deal. You you should be, you should be all in if you're going to kind of take your ball and, and leave the familiar court. And I don't have a problem with exclusive games. Like, I, I don't mind buying it on Epic Games if it's not on Steam. But I think you got to, you got to accept everything when you kind of move over. Like, you can't just leave the... Yeah, I don't think you should be able to leave the court when, when you don't like the way things are going. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I don't really see the the logic here, the, the devaluing of the game, because, I mean, to me, if I can get $10... Like, I, I'm going to pre-order this game anyways, but, I mean, if I see a game, even at pre-order, that, you know, has this $10 sale, like, I know that that's not from the developer, like, specifically because it's the Epic Game Store, and it's, you know, like... I know all the background and maybe I'm just a more informed consumer than the majority, but I feel like I see that and I go, oh, sweet. This is, you know, a pro for me, a pro for the developer because they're going to get more, they're, they're going to get more pre-orders because it's slightly cheaper. So maybe that $10 off is enough to incentivize someone who otherwise, you know, would have waited for a sale. Mm -hmm. Like this all seems like good news because they're not actually getting a smaller cut of the pie for this. They're not losing any money. This is all money that's like, if I spend, you know, $70 to pre-order Masquerade, then they're still going to get $80. Mm -hmm. So that seems like a win-win to me. Yeah, I, th I think it is. Uh, and, and certainly they've made steps. So I'm just browsing the store now, kind of taking a look because mm -hmm. it's changed every day I've gone in to look at it. Yeah. And as of now, there, you know, there are a couple examples of prices going up, games being pulled. But interestingly now, like when you go to the game store, it shows the sale price. So let's look at John Wick Hex, which is a game that just got announced, brand new, not out yet, uh, is on sale from $19.99 to $17.99. And then you think, well, what about that $10 discount? So when you click through to the guy to the to the store page for that game, then it shows pre-purchase for $17.99 and then buy with Epic discount for $7.99. So it's basically telling you what what you're saying as the win-win, which is you can pay $7.99, but that's with the Epic discount in the sense that Epic is going to cover ten dollars for your purchase so yeah. i think from a pr perspective i don't think epic was really it didn't seem like they were prepared to fight all sides on this like in their eyes they saw oh this is a great this is a great idea this is a great way to do it and i'm sure they talked to a lot of developers but clearly there were some developers that weren't aware of what was actually or there happening. was some com confusion with the with what was communicated yeah so now you look at it from a pr pers perspective on the game store it feels like it's a lot more a lot more of a win-win like customers win epic wins and then the developers kind of still feel good with the value of their game right but yeah yeah so i don't know i i, I feel like and man there's just I don't understand all of the the hate for the Epic Game Store, and I think we've talked about this a little bit in the past. But like, personally, I like using it because it doesn't have all of the other features that Steam has. I think Steam is really like a, just a kind of a bloated experience right now. And I'll, I'll give you a for instance, and mm -hmm. I I'm not a hundred percent sure if this is actually what's happening or why it's happening or or what have you, but. So I've been playing a lot of Dead by Daylight and on Steam, you have your user profile, which you can uh, restrict comments so that you only your friends can comment and you can uh, choose to display your game time. You can choose to display like a profile picture and everything else. So my Steam profile has the same picture I've had for like four years now, which is just a picture of me sitting in front of my computer with Thrall in my lap and... For some reason, because so I was watching a streamer who basically said, like, I play a lot of killer. And when I play killer, I go in and I check the Steam profiles of everybody uh, who is on the survivor team. And if I see somebody who has a low amount of time in Dead by Daylight, I try not to punish them for that. Like, I won't, like, tunnel them down or, you know, what? I'll maybe try and go after somebody who is closer to my skill level. 
So obviously that's like a very uh, noble way to play, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say. But I think that because you can see my hours in Dead by Day, or sorry, so I made my Steam profile uh, and my Steam profile just because of what I do for a living has been public anyways. But um, I did lock down comments, but my profile picture is still there. My hours in Dead by Daylight are still there. And so because people who I'm playing with and against can see my Steam profile, I, for the last week or so, haven't been able to, like, play a game of Dead by Daylight without getting tunneled down first. Like, it's ridiculous. And I was like, why is this happening? And then eventually somebody's like, because uh, I looked at your profile and you're a chick. And somebody else was like, oh, I looked at your profile and you have 40 hours, so you're an easy kill. And I'm like, profiles are the worst! Mm-hmm. <laughs> why is this happening? <laughs> that is so, like, really unfortunate. Playing, playing a competitive game... Um, with a profile that's going to show that kind of information, like I don't see what the what the win there is. And I could just put my profile on private, and I'm going to go in and I'm going to put my profile on private, and I'm going to change my profile picture, and I'm going to see if that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. But like being like actively sought out in a competitive game for things that are seen on my profile for that platform, like. Oh, that- so bad so like and i don't understand or i don't get what the what the pros of a profile are or and i mean we've we've talked reviews to death i think user reviews are garbage so like the fact that epic doesn't have all those things i think is a good thing and i'm on board with a stripped down store experience yeah it's just a launcher and and a store built within i I think like i have discord for discord I don't mm-hmm. need like when battle.net added it all it's like great I got I'm going to have another notification badge to clear every time I open up uh this launcher and I haven't opened up the blizzard launcher in in quite a while uh and you know I don't have these things auto launch I just I lo- I load them up it is an extra click it's an extra wait for a load but um yeah I I haven't played a lot of games through the Epic Game Store but I feel like looking at this sale this this t- reminds me of when Heroes did their everything is 50% off sale, you know, early on in the game's life cycle where they did that huge sale for Black Friday. Um, and I feel like this is the same instance where they're doing this sale to get, you know, news, positive news or whatever comes of it, but just get in the news cycle, do something steam. Like they basically every news article is like, oh, Epic has its steam sale, right? And it ends just before the summer sales probably going to start or a week before this feels like a shot across the bow i don't think you'll get the ten dollar bonus any like anytime soon again for a sale from epic i think this is just kind of a one and done welcome to our store we got Fortnite money so (laughs) if you go in there there's some there's some titles like i think i'll probably pick up hades the new uh early access game from the guys behind um bastion and transistor Mm. and then there's also the new uh the guys who made alan wake and quantum break they've got a new game coming out late summer called control and it's a single player shooter similar to quantum break but um i don't know man i really liked quantum break yeah well then you probably did control it looks kind of similar in the in the sense that it's a third person action trippy shooter game and i'm just looking at the sort of screenshots now it looks really cool and that one you can get 10 bucks off uh by buying it and i know you and i were unique in this sense but we have we have american funds kicking around and there's Mm -hmm. no canadian dollars available in the epic game store so that kind of works to our benefit i guess but uh yeah so there's some gems in there that you can go check out and uh, again i would take advantage of the 10 dollars off because i highly doubt they'll do it many more times if not at all and especially if you hate Epic, why not take advantage of them giving you money? That's true. You Although should... then you do have to use their platform, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, I think we're going to have to. There are a lot of cool exclusives uh, going over there, and there's going to be a game. Yeah. Like, honestly, everyone's going to have their breaking point, the way that Epic's moving with these games. There's going to be a game that comes out that you're not going to wa- want to wait six months, and that's okay. That's fine. All yeah. of us have a breaking is, point uh, with this stuff. Is Borderlands 3 on this sale? Uh, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Not that I can see. And that's one of those things where it where it is available for sale. And I don't think it was... I think it was $10 off at one point. So if I click through... Yeah, it just says checkout and it's only... It's 60 bucks. But yeah. they have that labeled as a pre-purchase. So 
the thing is when it launched it it felt like yeah we're giving you ten dollars off every game 14.99 above but uh, i guess there are now there's now an Some asterisk exclusions. yeah which makes <laughs> sense i you know i think developers should be able to opt out but the messaging sure, is a little sure. weird yeah uh, that's pretty much going to do it for us tonight. If you'd like to join the conversation and tell me why stream profiles are actually a good thing, you, should, you can do so by joining our Discord, which is uh, bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Uh, if you'd like to visit us on the web, you can do so at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at JossPlays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes will be streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are also available after the fact over on Twitch. If you'd like to email the show and let me know how wrong I am about Epic, please do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.